Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson. Most people call me Charlie. And with me, as always, in the dimly lit <laughs> studio, right across from me. I'm, I'm, I'm liking this a lot better than our Zoom sessions. I am too. So I'm glad things are things are looking up for the both of us. I have been feeling kind of sick for the last couple of days, I will say. That's fine. But honestly, you went to the same casino I did. So if we get COVID at the same time, we can still do the show. That's true, actually. So yeah, we'll quarantine together. Yeah, we're like we could be we'll COVID. Never brothers. leave the office. <laughs> yeah, never leave the studio. We put a lock on the door. We can't leave. You know how much content would be created and just how terrible this room would smell? All of it. So fast. Yes, all of the above. But his name is Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston. With me as always, he's the one who knows just about everything there is to know, but not everything. And, uh, you know, how's it going today, man? It's going pretty good. I've had a nice, busy, long day. We've been fighting trolls on Twitter. That's good. Yeah. That's always a good thing. Troll fighting. I mean, you know? that's, yeah, that's, you even put that on your resume. They they hate us because they ain't us, as they say, as like my granddaddy used to say, you know, <laughs> haters going to hate and ainers are going to ain't. I believe that was the okay? philosopher James Franco. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was the philosopher. It was. Yeah. Philosopher James Franco and said that. And that guy has a big smile. He does. I mean, he can smile literally from ear hole to ear hole. Mm -hmm. Do you like him or his brother more? Which one what's, do you like what's more? What's his brother's name? Um, something Franco. Oh. Yeah. yeah I Last name's Franco. Honestly, you know, I, I never <laughs> liked James Franco in any of the other movies because like, I wasn't a big fan of Pineapple Express or like what was... Um, I don't even know if he was in that one, but those well, type of Seth, Seth Rogen movie. Yeah. Well, it's Seth Rogen. He's in a lot of Seth Rogen films because yeah. they're friends. Um, but there was another one he was in. The, all these famous people were stuck in a house. Oh, yeah. The, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I can't I remember the name I of it. Like, but The Interview, that movie was fantastic. I did. I love that movie. really good. Yeah. It's Smell My Finger. <laughs> I actually really like that movie. I love the guy that played Kim Jong-un. Mm -hmm. that, that guy's great. He's in a few other things, too. Um, he was really good. And By the way, what happened to Kim Jong Un? There was a story about him being like deathly sick, and I thought he was going to die. Taking over, and then now what? And uh, now he seems fine, although he's a bit of a crier from what I saw. Huh. Uh, but other than that, I don't know. He's still alive, I guess. Yeah. Huh? Who knows? Anyway, we talk. We talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single James day of Franco. the week. And James Franco <laughs> movie reviews, any of that stuff. Uh, oh, Jeff said, this is the end. That was the name of the movie. Oh, I watched, yeah, I didn't like that one. I watched probably five minutes of that movie and I was like, I like that they're all playing themselves or like using their real names. And that's funny. Weren't they? They were actually like themselves yes. in the mm -hmm. movie. Yeah. And so that was interesting, but the movie seemed really dumb. So yeah, I'm just not into that type of comedy. No, you no, know, I, I like Smart comedy, like Will yeah. Ferrell. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you like it when James Franco says to smell his finger. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's the kind of comedy you that's like. The, that's what I'm really into. <laughs> By the way, if you're a stonk trader, hopefully you don't short Tesla ever because stonks only go up and Tesla is a stonk. Yeah. Okay? It did that go thing, down for a bit today. It did, yeah. Well, maybe if you shorted it at the open this morning, but overnight. <laughs> what the hell that thing overnight? Tesla being added to the S&P 500, that's big news. That is big what, news. I mean, what does that say about the electrical, uh, electric vehicle market? It says a lot about that. It says a lot about Tesla, that the S&P would be cool. They think it's going to be stable enough to add in to their, to their index. And so that says a lot about Tesla, that they think it's actually going to be consistently profitable or at least be a company for quite a long time because they're, they're not just going to add in something that's going to flare up and then disappear. So anyway, I think it says some cool stuff. I think it, I think it means good things for Tesla, and I think they'll go on to all new highs. At, at some point in time, eventually in the future, there's my prediction. It I will believe, go on the new highs. I believe I may be wrong in my numbers. You guys would might have to look this up, but somewhere around the S and P 500 as a 1.7 trillion dollar index fund, right? I don't know. Somewhere around there, and uh, with uh, Tesla with their market cap, they're going to be I think number seven on the list. Uh, so they're going to be just below. Uh, they're going to be right above Johnson and Johnson, and with that, basically. I think it's like six or eight percent of the fund, somewhere around there. I don't remember exactly. Anyway, it ends up being about twenty billion dollars that's going to be injected, basically. That's quite a bit. So, I not, not bad. I like you know I, I like Tesla because Elon Musk is uh, pretty much my hero, 
And uh, except for when he does things I don't like at those times, he's not my hero. Mm -hmm. Only when he does things I like. Well, what's interesting is you can like someone and still disagree with him on certain things. I do disagree with him on, on a lot of stuff. And um, but overall, I think he his his business, he's just he, he's a genius when it comes to that. I mean, he's such a genius. I mean, the, 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 the dang models of his car spell out the word sexy. Yeah. I mean, can you be mad about that? And, really? you know, he's playing chess while everyone else is playing marbles <laughs> and, and cross jacks or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> everybody else is playing slapjack. <laughs> we're going to we're going to give you a now listen, this is not a conspiracy theory, just an update on what's going on with the election. I don't know if you guys heard about what's going on with those found ballots in Georgia, but the only good thing, the the best thing I think that can come from the recounts and from the law, the lawsuits and all that kind of stuff. We have got to address the problems in our voting system. And here's one of the problems in our voting system. They found over 2000 ballots in Georgia. And once they counted them, they netted a positive 800 vote count for Trump. Now, that doesn't mean he won Georgia. That just means they, they found some votes so far. Mm -hmm. They found them because they were on an SD card that had not yet been uploaded into the main system. And so when they do early voting on the machines, the voting goes on to an SD card, and then they have to upload those into the system afterwards. And so they found an SD card that had over 2,000 votes on it yeah. just sitting around. I'm not going to try and throw out any wild conspiracy theories, but do you think that's the only SD card out there that didn't get uploaded? Yeah. That is insane. What an insanely stupid way. I mean, to, Snowden to took an SD card from in the yeah. NSA. Everyone check your Rubik's Cubes because they've got the rest <laughs> of the votes in them. Right the there. governor of Georgia should be like, I want all the Rubik's Cubes. I want them all in a pile. Put them all right here. Don't ask me for what. Do you really think how many people in Georgia have Rubik's Cubes? I don't think. <laughs> Not as many as some I'm other. I'm kidding. No, there's, that's no there's offense. smart people in Georgia. There's Plenty a lot of, of Probably way smarter than I am. I'm sure. Yes. There are quite a few of them. So that's the only election news I really have so far. Trump tweeted in the last couple of days that he won the election. Literally tweeted. What? I, I won the election. He tweeted it once in all caps, and I think he tweeted it again in in normal. I gotta look this typing. up. I haven't says, seen that. Says I won the election. So I don't know if he knows something that we don't, or if I don't know what the point of that is. I don't know. <laughs> and who knows? But all I know is that it has been disputed. <laughs> That's all, that claim has been disputed. You gotta love him. Yeah. So or, I, I mean, or hate him. Literally, guys, just like what Wes just said. Uh, 2,000 votes there, and that was in a small area that was a heavy Republican area. Imagine if there's some SD cards located in some other heavy populated areas that didn't get uploaded into the system. I mean, I'm not saying there are. I'm saying that is a stupid way to do an election. It, relying on people to upload all of the SD cards with the votes on them. I, can't, I can barely even do a podcast using SD cards sometimes. It's a mess. Anyway, I just want to know whether or not any bad stuff happened. I want to know if all the votes are counted. Once, once we know everything, Did you that's see all this? I want to know. No. Donald Trump tweeted, this is about a day ago, 22 hours ago, big victory moments ago in the state of Nevada. The all-Democrat county commissioner race on same ballot as president just thrown out because of a large-scale voter discrepancy. So Clark County officials do not have confidence in their own election security uh, the Clark County Commission just threw out an election that represents almost one-sixth of the total votes, votes cast in Clark County because there were too many discrepancies to be sure that the results in that election can be certain. 153,000 of votes in that election. Yeah. This threw out 153,000 votes. I don't know if the election results are going to change, but I do not think this is over yet. I think there's a lot of stuff that's going to be coming out. They just announced this recount a few days ago in Georgia. We've already found 2,000 votes that didn't get counted. Um, I think this is going to be happening all over the place just because I think that's a natural thing that human beings working in these systems are, even if they're not, even if they're not trying to do it because they, they've got some kind of terrible intent, just naturally people are going to mess stuff up. Even if there was no evil intent behind any of it, people are going to mess up. So we're going to find all kinds of stuff all over the place. It doesn't mean that there's some massive conspiracy. Like I always say, like there's a some old guy sitting in a in a dark room smoking cigars, drinking brandy, talking about how they're going to control the entire world. I don't think that that's what's happening. I think that there are thousands of different officials all around the country who all have incentive structures to do different things. And a lot of them 
have uh, incentives to maybe not count some votes, maybe throw out some votes. It doesn't mean that there has to be one giant conspiracy. So I'm sorry. What's I'm up? Just reading Charlie's Trump's laughing. Twitter theme <clears throat> feed. I just, oh, yeah. I haven't looked at it in a while. It's a lot of disputed I, claims. That's all I know. I saw the one where he says, this is November 16th, I won the election. And it says, multiple sources call this election differently. <laughs> yeah. And then, did you see the one below this? I guess he uh, retweeted a an old tweet of his. But the day before, he says, John Bolton was one of the dumbest people in government that I've had the pleasure to work with. <laughs> a sullen, dull, and quiet guy. He added nothing to national security except, gee, let's go to war. Also, illegally released much classified information. A real dope. <laughs> oh, my God. You kind of have to love the simplicity of it. Now, here we go defending Trump again. We're just love, a bunch of MAGA hat wearing people love over here. the president of the United States. <laughs> oh, man. I just can't with this guy. Good I Lord. mean, that's fantastic. Now. I have a question for you. Do you think he would have, I don't know, I don't know, kept his Twitter a little bit more quiet? Do you think he would have won re-election easily? I think, I think that that is very possible. There is still the argument for the way that he is is what drove so many people to be so ecstatic about him. It's almost like saying, well, don't you think if Mitt Romney would have been running, then he would have won the election easily? Like, uh, I don't think so. I'm not saying that if he kept his Twitter clean, that he would be Mitt Romney. Bit, a little I know. bit. Like a few dumb things. A yeah. few or a few really dumb things. Like maybe a few mistakes that he made, like mm -hmm. scale that back just a little bit. I think uh, if he didn't make fun of uh, McCain, I think that would have helped a lot because I think McCain's family obviously went after him. And I think that that probably turned Arizona more than likely. So that changed a lot right there. Um, and then there's there's obviously a a few bad things or things that he could have said better that made the the media who is already dishonest and they could just make up anything they want he really threw them a lot of good content to write things about all the time if i were him if i were him what i would do is declassify all the corruption oh yeah that's available i bet they're terrified of that i, I bet they're so I terrified so hard he seems Literally. like he seems like the guy that would post the president's book of secrets on twitter at, on his way out the door more yeah. than likely i hope he does yeah <laughs> really hope he does well because you know there's a lot of people like literally undermining him in, in foreign policy yeah i mean the, you pull up an, you had an article the other day right that, that is it still in the stack uh, it's not in the stack but it was basically the uh the u.s ambassador to syria said that they had been lying to trump about the amount of troops that they had in syria and that he had asked them to withdraw troops and basically, they told him that they, they were like, oh, yeah, okay, we just, we got this. And they gave him a lower number than what they actually had in Syria. And they didn't actually pull out all the troops that just, they told them they did. Just lied to them. Yeah. Now, that came from the New York New York Post, I believe, and, and believe whatever you want. So that was a, you know, whatever. Uh, and we'll be talking about how Trump is expected to order troop withdrawals from Afghanistan and Iraq before he leaves office and of course the democrats the pro-war democrats are all over him about that and the <laughs> magical anti-war republicans are super excited about it so so that's going to be interesting to watch isn't it crazy how the turntables i know i even heard uh ben shapiro all he did all ben shapiro did was call out um he 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 called out how the media was totally good with obama withdrawing a bunch of troops and and basically he said creating isis and we don't have to get into all that foreign policy stuff. But then also, he should have gone a step further and said, hey, also, Ben Shapiro, you called out Obama a ton of times for withdrawing troops. Are you going to do the same thing to Trump now? Yeah, right. Are you going to do the same thing? And, and never mind the fact that we put Trump uh, troops there to begin with is what actually yeah, created ISIS, yeah. not withdrawing them. We only <laughs> gave them a chance to take power once we withdrew. Yeah. But the fact that we put troops in, in there to begin with, that's what actually created ISIS. Yeah. I'm not saying we should be mad about troops being withdrawn. I'm saying that we are going to have to call out people on the right who were like, oh, Obama pulled the troops. He did the withdrawal way too fast, all this kind of stuff. If Trump goes and withdraws a large percentage of the troops from the Middle East and the right is uh, silent about it or at least is, is okay, people like Shapiro, people that are on the, the right wing, the, the talking heads on the right wing, uh, they're going to have to be called out for the hypocrisy because that is what we do here. Mm -hmm. Rush Limbaugh, mm -hmm. Sean Hannity's. All them people. Is Rush, uh, Rush, 
Rush Limbaugh fired? He's still with us. Okay. Yeah. Was he fired? No, he can't be fired. He's him. Well, who got fired? Oh, I don't know. Somebody who got fired from Fox News. Big story. Oh, I don't know. Rush Limbaugh's got his own. His that's him. Oh. His show. There was somebody yeah. that uh, accused of sexual. Oh, Bill on. O'Reilly. Oh, O'Reilly. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Just I wanted to go down that train real quick. I was talking. I was going through. You know, we talked about Twitter that happened uh, over the last couple of days. I've been trying to argue with some people. Charlie's been trying to handle people on TikTok, arguing for our free market, arguing against Marxism. And I was also talking to uh, someone during one of our interviews for the Rehumanizing Pro- Project, and I it just wanted me to it made me want to ask the question, which I asked them: How do you properly argue for libertarianism? And all I wanted to put out were that there are, in my opinion, there are two different ways to argue for libertarianism. And I wanted to see which one you think is most effective, Charlie. Uh, there's, to me, the, the utility argument. There's the argument that the free market works better, that the government doesn't do a good job at anything. And if you want to make things better for everyone, the free market is the way to do it. And then there's also the moral side of doing it. Taxation is theft. It is wrong to take things from people. Mm-hmm. You give money to the government, they bomb people, they waste the money, they do they do all kinds of terrible things. So there's a moral argument too. And what I what I think is interesting is I I think everyone's got their own way of of doing it, and people should argue in the way that they're best at arguing that. I know you I think you like the moral probably more on the moral side because that's a very important side. And and I'm more on the utility side. We both are on the same side. I'm yes. just saying, what arguments do we defer to naturally? It honestly depends know? on the conversation. I think yeah. you should always start out agreeing with folks. You know, it's mm-hmm. like problems. Everybody's got problems and we got a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. And like people, people are suffering. <laughs> but then, God, I love this is, was my favorite Jordan Peterson lecture that I've ever seen. But he was like, you know, life is suffering. That's what the religious people have always said. Yeah. Life is suffering. So what do you do about it? <laughs> like I, we've come a far, we, well, we've come a long way from the default position of humanity, but the default position of a human being is you're born into starvation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're born into suffrage. You're born into disease. You're born into mother nature trying to take you out. You're born into a cruel world. Like that's the default position. And the fact that we've been able to amass what we've been able to amass, like, were there problems? Yes. Lots of them. I mean, how do you expect, you know, human beings to navigate this new age, so to speak? I mean, all of this is relatively new. I mean, the house I'm in right now is like almost three years old. But, you know, capitalism or free markets and, and people being free to amass the amount of wealth that we've been able to generate has only come about in like the last 200 years maybe 250 years now. So think of, I mean, and, and I think we, we have such a short memory that we, 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 there's no gratitude for where Mm -hmm. we've come from. Now that doesn't mean that we don't have problems we need to fix because that we surely do. So you can't say, Oh, well, you know, like, look, it's the same example as like, if you don't eat your food, like, Oh, what about the starving kids in Africa? You know, you can't use that against people because it's like, well, I don't like it. So, and, you know, it's just, it doesn't mean I have to eat all my food. It, right. It doesn't mean I have to eat all my food just because there are starving people. Uh, that's not the it's, it's not a good analogy to use. But it's so you can't say, oh, well, look how far we've come. You should have more gratitude and stop complaining about the problems that face us. But I think you do need a mixture of gratitude to see how far that we've come and then look at what got us here the quickest and with all its faults it's capitalism Mm -hmm. it does it does have faults there are plenty of faults people can take advantage of people in capitalism but people can also take advantage of people in other systems too any way you organize human beings flawed human beings that there are going to be people trying to take advantage of people God, you see this in your homeowners association for Christ's sakes. Yes, you do. All the way down to your yeah. HOAs, man. You, you see it in, in countries that have massive governments and no capitalism. Like you still see the same thing. Yeah. Human beings take advantage of other human beings. That's what happens. Uh, what I've always asked is which one of the systems after it's corrupted by evil people 
is still going to be the best thing for the most amount of people and the easiest to fix and will provide the most power to the most amount of people for them to fix those things as well. It's the free market because it's individualism. If, it, if it's a truly free market, then you can actually vote with your dollars. <clears throat> and as long as it is actually a free market where someone else can start another business and you will have other options, like we can go to parlor. We don't have to be on Twitter anymore. Isn't that great? Or we can go to a different internet company, which most of the time you're not allowed to actually do that because it's not a free market. Uh, there, there are other options. I have several restaurants to choose from. I have a lot of different places that I can call home all over the place here. There are, there are markets that exist and those people can't just have control over me. And to me, that is the best way to make sure that we keep it as even of a playing field as possible. And, and so I always think that it's the utility argument. If I'm arguing with someone, I don't think the moral argument works on like a Marxist at all. I don't think it works whatsoever because they think what they're doing is even more moral. They think they're okay with taking money from someone who has too much money and giving it to someone else. They don't see it as theft. They see it as a different category. No one needs a billion dollars. You don't need that. That's actually, they stole the money. So it can't be immoral for me to mm. take money that is stolen. And so to me, the taxation is theft argument does nothing. Now, I love saying taxation is theft. It's, it's short. It rhymes or both verbs. It's true. No, it's not. They're not at all. But anyway, um, I, I, I'm fond of saying that, but I don't think it works on leftists at all. I think it can work on people on the, on the right wing. I think it can work on Republicans that we can talk about taxation as theft. I don't think a Marxist responds to taxation as theft because they think profit is theft. They think money is theft. Mm -hmm. They think capitalism is theft. And so they see taxation as a way to actually fix the theft that they think is a lot worse. I what saw I, someone say that uh, state socialism can produce wealth. So I was like, how's that working out for Venezuela? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like, sure, they were super wealthy. And you know what? The, the manifesto even calls for a super rich capitalistic country to be able to switch over to communism to begin with. I mean, you have to create the wealth. <laughs> exactly. And so, look, Venezuela started out really rich, especially when oil prices were high. And everything was hunky-dory. And now that the oil prices fell and they can't keep up, now they don't even have enough money to fix their refineries. And so the richest country in South America now has become one of the poorest. Mm -hmm. in, in a matter of like 10 years, people. Literally, you can, wasn't that long. You can still watch a Parks and Rec episode that's got the, the uh, people from Venezuela coming up there and making fun of the people in Indiana for how how poor they were and how much money they have because mm -hmm. Venezuela was so rich and they were blessed with so many oil reserves and they, they had all this stuff. And it, literally a couple of years after that, the, the streets are lined with money. They're so rich that they don't even need the money that's on the streets. That's how rich they are. There's so, so much extra money. It's just lining mm -hmm. the streets, you know, and some people uh, are wiping their ass with it. <laughs> they are. <laughs> they are. And uh, so I just think we all need to think about how we talk to people. What, who are we talking to? And what is the best argument that could potentially work on them at that time uh, when we're trying to sway them in some kind of way? Yeah. If I'm going to talk to your brother, I have got to make the argument that to help people, we have got to do this. We have got to have a free market in this to help people who need help. The government is not the way to do it because that's what they want to do. They want to try and, and help those people. Mm -hmm. And me saying taxation is theft doesn't do anything at all because they've justified it they've made it more well, moral and here's the other hurdle you have to get over is that <clears throat> by advocating for what they're advocating for by virtue signaling essentially that's what it's called they feel good about it mm -hmm. they feel you always hear the people say well i wouldn't mind paying a little bit more in taxes if everybody got free health care it's like you don't you don't pay any taxes so you don't have to actually sacrifice anything go down to the in first fact tweet. most most of the people most of the people I see say, oh, I wouldn't mind paying a little more in taxes. Um, you, you don't pay anything. Now, this person does, but look at the first tweet we have in the notes today. This is from uh, <clears throat> Tim Dillon. It's not even dumb bleep, but we're already here, guys. Yeah. Uh, Tim Dillon says, again, my taxes can go to the people getting health care, including mental health care, or, or so a substitute teacher doesn't have to sell blood plasma to pay back loans so they can eat. If I had a choice, I would rather them not go to bombing nine-year-olds playing soccer in the Middle East. And I'm, I'm with you on that. Like if you're, 
if you're going to force me to pay taxes and I had a choice between bombing people in the Middle East or, you know, whatever, healthcare or whatever, then yeah, I would, I would choose that. But why don't we get to the actual root cause of the problem, Tim? Yeah, I responded with what you're talking about is called voluntarism. And the person you're mad about is, uh, is the government receiving the money in the first place. What you're talking about is voluntarism. Everyone mm -hmm. gives the money towards the things that they care about. And they fund the things that they care about with their money. You're never going to be able to pick what your money does through the federal government. Right. Ever. Because you're just you. And there are going to be more people than you that have more of an incentive to have the money go towards themselves. Maybe you can pick what the federal government does if you're in <clears throat> people who receive welfare or need the uh, health care subsidy or whatever. Maybe yeah. then you can choose what the federal government does with the money. But <clears throat> if you're, uh, I mean, if you're just an average Joe here, you don't get to decide between bombing nine-year-olds in the Middle East and helping a substitute teacher not have to sell blood plasma to pay back loans so they can eat. Now, that's pretty gall darn extreme. I mean, I know in Illinois, they're paying substitute teachers over 100 bucks a day to substitute teach. I mean, good Lord, man. That's a pretty gall darn good earning right there. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying. Uh, that's pretty good. Compare that to the people. <clears throat> and see, they always compare those people to the billionaires. Mm -hmm. Well, how about you compare your $100 a day to the people making $1.90 a day who actually live in poverty or below? Yeah. But they don't want to do that comparison. They don't <laughs> want to draw that comparison because, well, that's not fair. They it's, make the those comparisons like <laughs> Thomas Sowell always points out. Here's what the, the people making the least amount in the money how can they afford the average rent in the country? Well, the person making the least amount in the country doesn't need to afford what the average rent is in the country. They need to afford what the lowest rent is in the country. Right. Can they afford that? Yeah. That's the proper comparison. Why are you comparing it to what the average rent is when they don't make average salary? They're going to be paying for something that's a lot cheaper than that. Yeah. Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> All right. <laughs> nice. Anyway. That came in clutch. It, it was that button was right there and you see that on instant replay it was boom just yeah. right there i can't believe you remembered that. <clears throat> i it's man i tell you but, what but i remember you know, this, a lot the, the whole the whole marxist argument um it there's no there's no ground to stand on and i, I responded to another guy i was like look how many bodies do we have to to count before we all agree like what number is too high is it a <clears> hundred <throat> million people wasn't enough so is it a billion? Do we need a billion people to starve to death or be, or be, you know, murdered in camps for us to decide? Hey, I don't, I don't think this works, man. Here's your counter, Charlie. Capitalism kills millions of people too. Cause that's what you hear. And I got the, the argument was on there today. Actually it was on the Twitter. It was on the tweet today. Ow. Here's how it kills people. The, uh, the, this, this thing did a study of workplaces and it turns out Hundreds of thousands of people die at work or working every single year. And therefore, therefore, those deaths are attributed to capitalism as if human beings have never died working or under Marxism, human beings won't have to work in any kind of way. So what they're talking about is workplace safety. <clears throat> First off, um, thank you, capitalism, for creating a world where we can complain about workplace safety. And not complain about whether or not we're going to have enough food tomorrow, you know, something like that. Yeah. Maybe we should we should at least talk about how we got to the point that we could demand air conditioning after it was created. You know, I didn't have air conditioning several years before that because they didn't have air conditioning because it didn't exist. Yeah. Okay. Human beings worked for a long time with no air conditioning. And, and, and of course, then you create these big factories. They need their, their enclosed areas, all that stuff. They need to have it. But attributing all the deaths in workplaces to capitalism, that doesn't make any sense because, and it's an easy argument to make. Did the Russian commissary, <clears throat> they didn't have factories they didn't where people have died? Any, no, they didn't have factories where anyone died. No, they didn't have any of that. Any of the uh, brick factories, any of that stuff, uh, no one ever died at all. No, no, not at all. Not, not according to their paperwork. No, mm. no one, no one ever died. Yeah. So <clears throat> that, that's an Oh, easy... so no one ever dies in communism. That's... No, no one dies. That's oh. They're also alive. Still voted. Still voted in Nevada this year. Yeah. <laughs> no. They're still alive. That's how we cure death. <laughs> Communism.
it's just crazy, man. And you can do that. <clears throat> you can make that argument because anywhere you have a corporation that has a factory that is that is doing some type of work, well, that's the fault of capitalism, which is where people are going to die in factories. So therefore, all those people are attributed to capitalism. It's an, e it's an easy argument to make where, where in your perfect utopian world, if we had just Marxism, communism everywhere, all of those factories would be perfect. Number one, we'd have everything we have right now, no, nothing less. Actually, we'd have more magically, magically. Mm -hmm. People would work and be more productive than they are right now. And, and, and that is just, I, I'll tell you what, that is, if you believe that, I got a, I got a bridge to sell you in, a, in the successful Marxist utopia of Venezuela right now, if you, if you want to go ahead and buy that. Mm -hmm. No, but magically, people are going to be more productive. And also, no one's ever going to die at all. In fact, if you look through all of these successful communist countries in the U.S. right now, no one died from COVID at all. No one died. Now, that's easy because there's not any successful communist countries anywhere. So no, no one died from COVID in any of those countries. China. Uh, I but mean, somebody made that argument as well. I think China, fact, I think like... China stopped counting. Can we be can we be honest about oh, that? Yeah, they only had eighty thousand deaths. Yeah, that was it. They man. stopped counting. I mean, they were they were like point zero 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 one percent of their population. Like basically, no one died in China from COVID. That's amazing. But you know, somebody made that argument too. Like, well, look at China. Look yeah. how successful China is. Oh, China. <laughs> like, look, God, do people just not even look at anything? Like China become they became economically successful starting in the eighties. Because they created mother trucking economic free zones. And not to mention. Where people were allowed to own property and trade and keep their profit. Not to mention. Now, this what is, is that? This is after the they murdered 100 million of their own people. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Can we count that in the numbers? Th that was attributable to capitalism, obviously, Nate. Of course it was. But my, my God, what do you call <laughs> an economic free zone where you're allowed to freely trade, own property, and keep your profit? What is that? Uh, communism. That's capitalism. <laughs> capitalism. Jesus. I, I just can't with these people. Look at China. Look at China. <laughs> it's capitalism. Idiots. Now, of course, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm getting upset. You're Are not, you? You're not an idiot. Just ignorant. Yeah. Okay. Because all you have to do is go look at it. Just look at it and say, look at this. And if you look at it and say, look <laughs> at this, it's easy. I could look at it drunk and still understand it. I said to one person earlier, because they responded with, oh, they did they did know this. And I said, I'm sorry. My first comment was assuming that you were ignorant. It turns out you're just an idiot. <laughs> so that converted him right away. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, man, I'm a libertarian. I hit F at that point. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I am too right now, just because I get so frustrated. Uh, it's 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 maddening because uh, you know, when you <laughs> when the truth's on your side and you can think logically mm -hmm. <laughs> and the people that you're talking with make no sense. <laughs> you're just like, <clears throat> which I'm sure to them, we sound like we don't make any sense. Yeah. You know? And so, true. but it's infuriating because it's so, it doesn't take long to look at a very short amount of history. Honestly. Uh, in fact, there was a whole Netflix special on it, you know, and these, these woke people obviously love Netflix. So you could go watch the short little, I think it was like a 20 minute episode that explained how China started their economic free zones in the 80s. And also we did the story on the farmers and private property and all that. But what's what's hilarious is China had to incorporate capitalism because they knew they knew they were smart enough to know this is actually the only way to generate wealth. And if we want to have influence and power in the world, we need to have wealth. And so it's the only system. It's the only system that we know of that can actually generate wealth because it, because it incentivizes flawed human beings to pursue a profit. And in that pursuit of profit, it, it, it forces human beings to be more efficient, to innovate, to make people happy. And if you exploit people, you don't do it for very long. Yeah. You don't get to do it for very long. You, you get found out, especially in 2020. My God, with social media, if you tweet that one of your fries was burned on Wendy's, they'll say, hey, we're all sorry about that. Here's a $100 gift card. Yeah. Like, come on, guys. That's that's a story. It reminds me of Louis C.K. talking about the flying. You're flying. <laughs> what are you, oh, you're delayed for 30 minutes? You're flying through the air. I hate Verizon. 
All right, tell me just, about. Just give it a minute. <laughs> it's sending a signal to space and back to your hand. <laughs> give it a minute. Oh, tell me about. Uh, tell me about the expected troop withdrawals from Afghanistan and Iraq. Yeah, we kind of touched on this a bit earlier in the show when we went on this Marxist tangent. So you're welcome, America. <laughs> All right. This coming from USA Today, President Trump is expected to order troop withdrawals from Afghanistan and Iraq that his generals will not listen to. I added that in <laughs> yeah. part there. But, hey, even if he orders it, do you think they're even going to listen? Because it doesn't seem like they listened anyway. No, this is the thing. You're you're exactly right. He's going to order it. Who knows when? They'll be like, oh, yeah, it'll take about a month. We'll be able to get out of here. Yeah. And then, he'll, and then Biden will say, no, hold on. And then they'll mm. just stay there. Yeah. That's what will happen. So President Donald Trump intends to order the withdrawal of U.S. troops from war zones in Afghanistan and Iraq, according to two administration sources. The cuts would take effect by mid-January, according to the sources who were not authorized to speak publicly. Trump is scheduled to leave office on January 20th. President-elect Joe Biden would have the authority to reverse Trump's order after he takes power. That's a, that's a, that is an amazing political move by Trump, even if he doesn't want to withdraw the troops. You withdraw the troops and then you make Joe Biden put them back in there. Which doesn't matter because the media is not going to, they're going to praise it as a good decision. I know. I'm just, but it is, I'm just yeah, saying. It is smart. That's one of the smarter moves you could make. There are about 4,000 U.S. troops in Afghanistan and a few thousand in Iraq. Uh, Trump has vowed to end what he has referred to as endless wars. What else are they if they're not endless? Because right now they seem pretty endless. <clears throat> the United States has had troops in Afghanistan since 2001. Almost 20 years, folks, after the 9-11 terror attacks and in Iraq since the 2003 invasion. Under the plan, which the sources said is being finalized, there would be about 2,500 U.S. troops total in each country once the drawdown is completed. Trump has reduced troop levels in both countries since taking office. However, officials at the Pentagon have pushed back on uh, precipitous withdrawals, arguing that reductions should be based on security conditions in each country. Troop levels have been... I love, I love that in, after 19 years, a withdrawal of troops is precipitous. You know? Mm. Are you, you're telling me, you're telling me that there's no way that, that we could have, that we could have ended this war or accepted that this is an endless war and that the security threat is always going to be the same as it is right now. And either we come out and say, we're going to be here forever. This is our land. We're staying there. Or... We just need to leave because it is always going to be precipitous mm. to leave that country. This is 19 years later. Just all of a sudden. Yeah. It all just, of a sudden. I mean, this is way too fast. 19 years. <laughs> Come on. We've never left that quickly before. Yeah. <laughs> Troop levels have been a bone of contention among Trump and national security officials. Last week, Trump fired Defense Secretary Mark Esper and replaced him with Acting Defense Secretary Christopher Miller. Miller, in his initial address to troops and civilian employees, indicated that he would support a withdrawal. Quote, ending wars requires compromise and partnership, Miller wrote. We met the challenge. We gave it our all. Now it's time to come home. Finally. Finally. If nothing else, Trump's been right about this. Now, he obviously didn't do what all libertarians' wet dreams was supposed to be. And I think even Republicans that were tired of war who voted for Trump as the anti-establishment candidate who wasn't going to go with the thing. I think he was held back a little bit from that. But, I mean, if nothing else, if we, if, to me, if we end up out of these wars, then I would call that a semi-success. Yeah, I, I would too. Now, taking out a <clears throat> portion of the troops is not ending the wars. You know, we'll still have troops there. Um, hopefully they will all be in, uh, you know, safer places. They'll be ready for less troops to be there. I don't obviously don't know how it's all set up over there. Uh, but I watched a movie on Netflix recently that made it look real dumb overall. Just saying, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the outpost, who the hell's idea was that uh -oh. to put that place there? Good I, Lord. I've not watched that movie. It is worth it. Todd says that we've been in Afghanistan long enough that himself and his oldest son have both served in Afghanistan. Wow. Two generations. That's crazy. It's insane. In October, Trump tweeted that he wanted troops home from Afghanistan oh by God. Christmas, a goal that will not be met. Robert O'Brien, the national security advisor, also said last month that troop levels would likely drop to 2,500 by early next year. That prompted Army General Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chief of Staff, 
to tell NPR that the war needed to be ended responsibly, deliberately, with consideration paid to levels of violence there. Like, what? We're 19 years in. What else do you want to do? (laughs) Besides, I mean, you're just going to keep security there forever? The White House has been negotiating with Taliban militants to reach a peace deal with the Afghan government to end fighting and allow an American withdrawal. Fighting, however, continues there. On Monday, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell praised Trump's policies in Iraq, Syria, and Afghanistan, but spoke out against a hasty withdrawal of U.S. troops from Afghanistan. Hasty. Hasty. <laughs> hasty. What, what do you, do they want one troop at a time? Like each day we just, <laughs> one person gets to go home. I mean, this is the... the and we'll, they'll draw straws for it. Like I said, we've got to, we got to ask the question whether or not we're going to be there forever. What was the goal? Did we uh, did we achieve the goal? Which I think, as Todd said, we did. Uh, whatever the goal was, I think that there has been a large part of the goal achieved. It does seem like, uh, uh, I mean, I don't know. According to the news channels, I see that uh, some of the violence there is lower than what it has been in the past. But uh, guys, are we going to be there forever? Until I mean, good lord, we need these people to be we need these people to be stationed up in Portland right now. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. Kidding. <laughs> McConnell went on to say, quote, there's no American who does not wish the war in Afghanistan uh, against terrorists and their enablers had already been conclusively won, McConnell said. But that does not change the actual choice before us now. A rapid withdrawal. Rapid. 19-year rapid withdrawal of U.S. forces from Afghanistan now would hurt our allies and delight. Delight the people who wish us harm. And the longer we stay there, the more people are going to wish us harm. Like you're just gathering people who wish them there. Then they got people who wish us harm. We're backing them up. Yeah. And then they have folks who wish us harm backing them up and that whole room full of people who wish us harm backing people up. And that just goes to a fundamental disagreement on why people there hate us in the first place. What is our objective objective there? What are we doing? Um, are we actually creating more of a problem than than what there would be if we weren't there? Uh, I could say we probably did some good things, as but I also know that I mean even the CIA, obviously we all know the Ron Paul speech talking about blowback and all that. They've clearly said every time we kill one terrorist, there's two more in their place, and so we have to know it's a that, hydra. That we have to know whether or not we've actually done something. Uh, and if staying there is actually going to have some type of a clear objective, some kind of win, what is the, what does winning look like over there? And if we did win, then why are we still there? If, if we won, then why can't we leave? Do we have to kill all of them? I don't know. I mean, what, like they already live in destitution. (laughs) Like, what are we trying to do here? And just what's, what's the actual goal? Why is it my, am I, you know, my brother made it out of the Marines. He went to six years. He didn't go. I was worried. I was worried Trump was going to send them to Iran sometime or somewhere around there. And uh, thank the Lord, it seems like Trump actually doesn't like war very much. Can he get some credit on that, please? And and luckily, my brother didn't have to go, didn't have to go anywhere. But can you just tell me why I would have had to worry about my, my brother getting killed in Afghanistan? For what? For what? I don't I don't understand. Why is that something that a family member should have to worry about? And if we keep these people here, there's still people dying. or There are still troops getting killed over there. Why are they there? I mean, good Lord, if we had the anti-war left, they could be sitting here saying, well, every day that Trump didn't withdraw the troops, every troop that died since then is Trump's fault. That death's on Trump's hands. And instead, since Trump wants to withdraw the troops, they'll be pointing out every single terrible activity that goes on in Afghanistan that the troops should have stopped somehow. And those deaths are going to be on Trump's hands. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy. It's not America. It's Afghanistan. It's another country. Right. Pay attention to this country for a second. And look, like, you know, we got attacked on September 11th. It was, you know, investigated. And Osama bin Laden was the guy who they said did it or at least led it and, and organized it. So, okay, look, we go after the guy. We kill him. Maybe we attack them a little bit. Like punch him back and be like, "Hey, you can't do that." Like you, that that kind of action has consequences, and then you're done. Boom, six months tops. You're done. Get out. 
Be like, don't do this again or it's going to be worse next time. And I bet a lot of people there would be like, I hope we don't do that again because yeah. it's going to be worse next time. That was pretty bad. But no, we bomb them for 19 years and we slowly kill their children. And then we expect that when we withdraw, we're going to have no enemies anymore. Is what there, is, what everyone, is the point? Everyone realized that if your kid actually got killed by accident by another government, that you would not accept that as, a, as an accident and you would hate them. Right. Or if your parents got killed, even if it was an accident, like, oh, yeah, we needed to bomb the wedding. I know some of the people there weren't terrible people, but we did get a couple bad people there. You'd be like, oh, yeah, you're right. I get it. I, you know, my dad was great, but you guys yeah. had a job to do. No. At least you got... Alibab Halabasharadar, mm-hmm. at least he was there. and uh, He's from Durkistan. Exactly. Yeah. And now my dad is, uh, he's just a martyr. He's a uh, hes a just part of the collateral damage. Yeah. And that's acceptable to me. And what Wes just said, there's too much money in war to end it. And that is actually, and I think that's one of the reasons that people in the establishment hate Donald Trump so much. Because they know Trump doesn't well, give he actually two craps call, he about actually that stuff. called out the military industrial complex. He did. Yeah. He even called. I mean, uh, you know, we were just listening to Dave Smith on Joe Rogan. Yep. And Dave Smith brought up the fact that Trump on the debate stage said that Bush got us into got us into the lied us into these wars. He said it on the Republican debate stage. Now, did he just withdraw us from all the wars as soon as he got in? No. Um, I was talking to someone on the Rehumanizing Project earlier. I think he knows that that would have killed a lot of his support, at least a lot of the uh, super strong, enthusiastic support that he had from a lot of people who loved the wars. And I think he was having to wait until the end of his presidency to uh, to do it, or at least until he wasn't waiting on a reelection. What's another wish list item you have for Trump? Because we'll have to wrap this up. We went long there. Um, mine, another one is pardon Snow- Snowden. Yes. Well, Snowden has not been convicted uh, of of anything can you pardon before someone has been convicted of something would it just be you grant them immunity I immunity guess. that's what i said the other day grant snowden immunity that's what i would do i know um some people don't agree with that um i would i would do that i would also um anyone who's convicted of a nonviolent drug drug crime specifically that were done under any of the 1994 crime bill or that were prosecuted by kamala harris all those people are out of prison mm-hmm. by the time I leave office. Yes. I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you that. If I were Trump, that's what I would do. That sounds, I like that. Yeah. You got I anything like else? Um, you know, it's, um, it's just an interesting time that we live in. I would say that. And, and, and I want to, I want to go back to what we always talk about on this show, which is despite the craziness that's going on, um, you know, we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. And that pursuit of meaning is so important because who cares who the president is? Like, who cares what's going on? Obviously, we would love the troops to come home. Uh, I, I don't believe in war. I don't believe in taxes. I don't believe in any of those things. But uh, despite all of those things, you still have a purpose. Every single one of you do. And we can sit here and complain about all the problems, or we can actually go out and do something about it. And so I think you have a responsibility to live the best life that you can possibly live and, and pursue something meaningful. And not only that, but you have the skills and the potential necessary to do it. And, and rather than be a victim and complain about the system and, and there's no way we can get ahead, which is what the left agenda is, which is why I'm so against it, um, is, is to believe in yourself and believe that despite all these issues that we talk about, despite all the problems that we see around the world, your life still has meaning. There's something very valuable that you can do with it to offer to the rest of the world. And so I would just, just want to encourage everybody at the end of this, you know, something, something nice to take home to your kids Mm -hmm. and tell them that they can be anything they want to be. You can still can. You Um, can. It's, uh, you know, every day I feel like we are losing Liberty, but right now you still can. The good thing about, you know, we are losing liberty, but every day it is becoming easier and easier to change your life on your own terms if you want to. You can create a business if you want to do that. There's a lot of different ways to work from home. You can learn all kinds of different skills. You can go on Skillshare, stuff like that. Or you can go to masterminestonks.com. 
If you want to learn how to trade some stonks and invest in your future, you want to learn anything about the stock market. Be one of those evil, rich, greedy people in the market. Man, just go in there and just mm -hmm. take a little bit of money for yourself all the time, man. Can't wait it for buybacks. It's so dark in here. Can't wait for buybacks. <laughs> I love them. I love them buybacks. Um, anyway, here's the deal. Did you, uh, it's not Halloween, Nate. It's so dark in here. Yeah, you can't wear a blackface when it's not Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Just so everyone knows, I am not wearing blackface uh, at all. I don't know. Watch the video. All right. Let me take the, the hat off my <laughs> off the head some so you can see the light shining. Okay. Yeah. I'm wearing Asian face right now. That's what I'm wearing. <laughs> all right. Uh, if you guys want to learn how to read the charts, know what's going on in the stonk market, get involved. We're even talking about options, stuff like that right now. Doing day trading. Uh, we talked about Tesla some this morning. I don't trade Tesla myself, but, uh, but Charlie over here does and been trading a lot of other uh, EV, electric vehicle stock, stuff like that. They've been popping like crazy. So anyway, if you want to know about all those things, then go over to mastermystonks.com. We got over 250 videos on the website talking everything from don't even know a word yet, just learning your vocabulary, all that stuff, all the way to actually executing trades and going through some of the more advanced strategies that we are going through. So anyway, go to mastermystonks.com. Yeah, let's yeah. sign up for the Patreon group, y'all. Patreon.com slash GoodMorningLiberty. Patreon.com slash GoodMorningLiberty. All kinds of cool perks in there as well. We did we did an entire healthcare video series. Well, Nate did. I actually forgot to upload. Uh, Almost an entire one. I forgot to upload two of the episodes. I went on there the other day, and I was like, wait, where are the other episodes? And I just realized I hadn't uploaded them. Oh, okay. So well, I need to do that. Coming soon to a Patreon near you. There's four on there right now. Patreon.com slash GoodMorningLiberty. Uh, but for as little as five bucks a month, you can be part of the live crowd. Come in here and chat with us, Wes and Todd and Maurice and Aaron and Cheryl, all kinds of cool folks in here. And uh, I don't remember everyone's name. I'm sorry. Paul. Did you get Paul? Paul, Tanner, um, lots of cool folks. So come hang out with us. Magoo. I can't forget Magoo. Come hang out with us. Be part of the live show. Interact with us. It's a lot of fun. All of you got all of y'all's comments and questions. We love to answer them on the podcast. So if you want to be a part of the show, then it only costs you five bucks a month. That's nothing. Absolutely nothing, essentially. Patreon.com slash GoodMorningLiberty. Put your money where your mouth is so we can spend that money on spreading the message of liberty. And even, you know, as you're pursuing your life of meaning, um, you can also contribute to folks that are trying to get the message out there of the best way to live. So do that. Um, <laughs> and... And I saved the best for last. There's Sam. Sam is a, a part of the Patreon group as well. We uh, we adore him. Um, he's a little sensitive, but uh, you know he's one of the best members we have. So, and Wes, Wes, yes, I did put the healthcare episodes on SD cards, and I just forgot <laughs> to upload them. <laughs> yeah, they must have been on SD cards. Yeah. So, <laughs> patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty. Please continue to share the show with a friend. Leave us that rating and review on Apple Podcasts. The numbers keep increasing. So, this has just been really cool this year. So, we really appreciate all that you do. If you do all that, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. Liberty.